Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. It's really great when families can bond by reading together, but I think it's even better when they write together. With me right now, I'm talking to a mother-son writing duo. They co-authored a book called Angel the Elf, An Adoptive Christmas. Calvin Murphy and his mother, Jessica Murphy. Thank you for joining us tonight. Yes, thank you for having us. Can you guys tell me what the book's all about? It's about um, how I grew up in foster care and times that I battled through, staying strong all the way through until up until now. The backing was that, and then we kind of did a Christmas twist with it and brought in the angel to elf that goes with him through his journey of being in the foster care system. So Calvin, what inspired you to write the book? And, you know, I guess, Jessica, how much, you know, did you have a play into saying, hey, let's let's write this book? My eighth grade teacher inspired me to write the book saying it would be a good book. So I just followed along with what she said and came home and started thinking and seeing what I could put together. He came home, it was an assignment, and he'd come home and first day he'd tell me, Mom, I'm going to write a book about my life. And I was like, okay. And then the next day he came home and was like, oh, and it needs to be a Christmas story. Well, I'm like, okay, you know, I can help you out with it. And then the next day came home and said, oh, it's got to have an elf on the shelf in it. And so I'm like, okay, we can do this. And we just sat down at the dining room table one day and he just started talking and started telling me from, you know, day one of being in and out of the foster care before we adopted him. And I had him in my sixth grade class. I was his teacher. I didn't know all the backstory from him going to different foster homes and everything. So it was him talking and me writing his story, then adding the Elf on the Shelf in there too. Calvin, how difficult was it for you to go back and sort of relive a lot of these things that happened to you and tell them? It was kind of difficult just thinking about it, coming back to it, brought some tears to my eyes, but I thought it was important for other people to know kind of how I felt. Very brave thing to do. It takes a lot of courage to go back and bring all that back up. Uh, Jessica, what was it like for you discovering a lot of these things and then putting it to print? From a mother's point of view now for him and hearing his side of the story, you know, we as adoptive parents get told a little bit and then hearing his side of the story of what he remembers and also how many different places he went to. It was very emotional. I know his sister, it was here also piped in a couple of times and talked about her side of it too. And it was a good bonding moment for Calvin and I, I think, talking about it. And yeah, I think we grew even closer then going through it all. You know, things things can always get better. That's what I'm feeling is sort of the main gist. Yeah. And, and one thing I know Calvin had said to me when we were writing it, he said, I didn't know it at the time where, you know, my life was headed. So at the time it felt sad and dark, you know, and then seeing how everything connected and brought him to, you know, my husband and I, and he kept on saying, you know, it was one of those things that he didn't see it at the time. So we wanted to put that in. And that's kind of where the elf on the shelf is, is that's that little bit of hope that was there that kept 
him going, even if he didn't recognize it until the very end. Oh, well, what a great story of hope and overcoming things and having faith that there is something better out there. And I'm really encouraged here myself just hearing your story. And the title of the book is Angel the Elf, An Adoptive Christmas by Calvin Murphy and Jessica Murphy. Calvin and Jessica, thank you so much. It was a joy meeting you, hearing your story, hearing about your book. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Yes, thank you. Thank you for calling us and letting us have this chance to do this. Many of us may feel that there's an insurmountable adversity in our lives. Right now, I'm sitting down with author Lorraine Mercer LeBlanc about her book, Lost and Found, and she's telling us that there's hope. So Lorraine, thank you for joining me today on the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you. So, what is Lost and Found about? Lost and Found is actually about me, and it details the biggest event in my life that reshaped everything a normal childhood would be. I was lost for three days in the bush, and it's the deep bush of the northern Ontario area, which is lumberjack businesses, gold mining, things like that. Wow. Wow. So what inspired you to put the words on paper to tell your story to the world? I have to admit it wasn't me. (laughs) God said, you need to do this. I was amazed that he waited all these years. Maybe he knew I needed to be beyond my career years so I could take it slow and do it right. Because to be honest, I don't remember much of this. Only the few things my mom told me that I did not want to explore. God has really been my guide in what I've got from relatives and eyewitnesses about what happened. You've been through such adversity. How difficult was that to to almost relive? You say you didn't remember some of it, but you had to almost relive a lot of it. I did. And you know, the Lord was good. This took over a year. And what he would do, he'd bring back a little piece, but it wasn't enough for me to use right away. So then he'd bring back a little more and a little bit more. This was kind of like being able to learn and adjust to what was going on. Of course, my mother gave me a two-sentence introduction to that, and she felt that was, you know, all anybody should have to know about that, and she was right. Because most people who've had these kinds of traumas don't do well. So I'm a victory, I'll tell you, presence of the Lord. So is there any advice that you would offer to up-and-coming authors, authors aspiring to write a book and be published? What would you tell them? Start with something that is important to you. If it's not something you know well, I know that I would not have done well if I was starting something I didn't have intimate knowledge of. And so that knowledge, when I kind of thrashed around and I thought, what am I doing doing this? (laughs) I said, no, wait, wait, wait. I know what I need to say. I may not know exactly how to say it, but I will if I'm patient with myself. And if I was having a a struggle, just walk away for a bit. Did you have a specific audience in mind for this? Maybe people who had gone through the similar adversity that you have, or were you looking for a broader base? I just wanted to incur, I don't know of anybody. I really don't know of anybody that hasn't had big problems. Life finds you and it hands you things that you wouldn't even dream existed. 
we all get these, and most of them are in our face at the worst time of our life. And I would just like people to find their, help them find their center and know that there's a process that will be yours so that you can get through it. And it may take years. This has taken many, many years, but it's God is good and, and he doesn't have a time clock on our efforts. All he is, he wants us to move forward. The speed is not the important part. The actual willingness to do that and to resurrect and kill old ghosts, because that's what they are. And I encourage everyone listening to check this book out. It's called Lost and Found by Lorraine Mercer LeBlanc. It's through Christian Faith Publishing and available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and iTunes. Lorraine, thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you for letting us know your story and putting your story out there for a lot of people, I think, to benefit from. Oh, well, thank you so much, and it's a pleasure talking to you. Who doesn't love a good mob story? That's where we're headed next on the Reader House Author Roundtable with author Penny Wise. His new book is Raw Ice, published by Fulton Books. Penny, thanks for joining us here at the Roundtable. Thanks for having me today. So Raw Ice sounds like a great story. Can you tell us what it's all about? Raw Ice is about a story about a child that witnessed the murder of both of his parents when he was 11 years old. From this time, there had been a guy that his mother had always warned him to kind of like stay away from. But this guy was like always an intricate part of this ch young child's life. After the parents were murdered, he ended up in, in a foster home. And from that point, he ended up getting hooked up with the wrong crowd. And he started experiencing the rough side of life. So you watch this kid go from being an innocent child to evolving into this man that was just kind of unhinged at, towards the end. The guy that was raising him ended up being this notorious mob figure that his mother warned him about. His guy took him in and pretty much adopted him as his own and raised him like his own child. And from there, it just gets crazy <laughs> without giving away too much. <laughs> You know, it just goes on to an adventure because he, what he finds out basically is that his whole life has been nothing but a pack of lies, a whole web of lies. He he starts to evolve and you start to see the change in him. From So he has a choice rather not he wants to be a part of the family business when he's like a graduating high school or rather he wants to go to college and he ends up choosing the path of staying and working with this mob figure guy that raised him like his son. So where'd you get the idea for this? Are you a fan of this genre? I am. I'm a big fan. Actually, I started very young with writing, and I was a big fan of the late Donald Goins. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he was one of my favorite writers when I was growing up. He wrote things that I could really identify with, and that's what I try to do with my writing is create something that people can relate to, even though it is a mob story or mafia story. There's a lot of different aspects of the story that any person can relate to. Man, woman, child. So you've been writing a long time. Is this your first published book, or have you been published before? Yes, this is my first 
self-published work. I was a little nervous before about putting my work out there. I kind of started off in the realm of poetry. When I was in school, I would write poetry. You know, I got into music a little bit, and then I evolved from doing music into writing stories. So I had been holding on to different, like, ideas for a long time and, like, working through them and then backing off of it, not really taking it seriously. Probably about three years ago, when my son's mother was pregnant with my son, something just said, you know what, you need to really get serious about the work that you're doing because everyone that I had passed books to, they were like, man, that's good stuff. Like, what do you want to do with it? And I'm like, you know, I'm just doing it kind of for fun just to see if I can do it. It's like challenging myself, right? Someone told me a long time ago that you have voltage that God gives to you. And if you have the voltage and you waste it, then that essentially is what the curse is. I just said, okay, I'm just going to take a a shot at it and, you know, go for it. So that's what happened. So how does it feel now having a book out there on the shelves? People are reading it. (laughs) What kind of feeling do you get? It's it's a great feeling. It's a really great feeling. I mean, I never really thought it would be a reality because I know how hard I had worked and, you know, I knew where I come from. You know, my background wasn't the best. The chances of someone like myself writing a book generally doesn't happen every day. It definitely is a good feeling and it lets me know that it's possible. You know, it's basically me right now just writing my soundtrack for my son to follow. You know, he's three years old right now. So I'm laying a soundtrack for him. You know, the soundtrack I laid down is going to be hopefully what he can follow to see that anything can be done. Well, again, the book is Raw Ice by Pennywise, out via Fulton Books. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play. Penny, it was great meeting you, talking with you today. Thanks so much for coming on the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, sometimes it can be difficult to explain why things happen the way they do in our lives. And author Bossy Queen, in her new book, House Full of Prayers, talks about that. I'm talking with Bossy Queen right now. Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Hello, how are you? I'm fantastic. So tell us about House Full of Prayers. House Full of Prayers is just a book about Diamond, a girl named Diamond, living in the South, growing up trying to overcome hardship and just letting everyone know that you can get over your struggles, you know, no matter what she's fighting and she's trying to create a way out and she's still trying to believe in God and have faith that, you know, everything will change, even though around her is a whole lot of abuse, tragedy, and destruction. She's still suffering and going through so many obstacles in life, but She continues to trust in God and allow God to lead her along the way. And God not only, you know, showed up in her life and restored everything that the devil tried to steal, kill, and destroy, but he also gave her back double for her trouble. How personal of a story is this for you? They're very personal because a lot of them are my own personal trials in life. And not having a mom or a dad, I've been on my own since I was 11. I grew up in street gangs. I gang banged as a teenager, as a kid. I was on drugs, you know. And my dad, you know, he was addicted to crack cocaine as well as my mom. You know, she's an alcoholic. So it was kind of like the same thing dealing with both 
my mom was non-existent as well as my dad in my life. So for two decades, you know, I had to struggle and try to navigate through life with no support, no family, no mom, no dad, no one. And for God to bring me through, you know, almost a decade in the military, United States Army, as well as half a decade as a police officer and then the rest of my life before I became disabled where I can't work. I worked as a nurse. I went into the military at 17 years old. You know, I don't think I had was a GED. I couldn't barely read. I had to learn how to read in order to get into the military and pass my tests and stuff. And, you know, I had a teacher that kind of took me under her wing and taught me these things while I'm living in the street in abandoned houses and crack houses, you know, selling drugs and trying to, you know, get through life. I was prostituting, you know, I was doing a lot as a kid and God still showed me grace where I am now from where I was a kid to be a rabbi. What advice would you give to writers looking to get their book to print? To go for it. Why not? <laughs> go for it, you know. Pray about it. Give it to God. Go for it. Well, certainly your story of, of trusting God and your, your victory despite these insane circumstances, things you've grown up with, and the story of grace and hope, it's certainly it's been inspiring here just during this short time for me today. Others out there are going to benefit a lot from reading your book. Again, it's called House Full of Prayers by Bossy Queen. This is available through Christian Faith Publishing on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Well, Bossy Queen, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, getting to know about your life and your book. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, and it's been a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for the platform. <laughs> We all dream of getting out and seeing the world someday. A surefire way to do that is to join the Navy. Author Paul Messenger's book, My Twenty, A Naval Adventure, tells of his adventures in the Navy. I'm speaking with Paul right now. Paul, welcome to the Reader House Roundtable. Well, thank you very much for having me. So can you tell us what readers have in store for them with My Twenty? What caused me to write this book was sort of a thank you to the Navy got me to go around the world and see places that I would probably never have seen. I also would like to encourage young men and women to consider the Navy as a career. Also, my family was a Navy family, so I wanted to give them some honor and some credit. So the stories aren't only your own, they're also of fathers, grandfathers? My father was in World War II. Myself and my brothers were in the Vietnam era. And my son was in the first Gulf War. We're all Navy. Quite a lineage and tradition there. Yes. The stories that you got from your father and your brothers, were those things that were secondhand, or did that just come from years of hearing stories? It was basically stories, uh, oral history. Some of it was knowledgeable that my brothers and I had talked, and of course my son. I just wanted to put it all together and uh, see what we would come up with. The chapters are sort of indicative of my family and also where I was stationed all over the world. Can you give us a little idea of the span of all the places you've been and that we could expect to hear about? Oh yes, I was in uh, Morocco, London, the Philippines, 
do tours in Japan. I'm a plank owner, Diego Garcia. That means member of the first crew that was there. Uh, three tours in Washington, D.C., which included, I had the duty the night they boarded the USS Pueblo, and it's still wow. in North Korea. This is the first book that I've written, and uh, I'm working on the second book. It's going to be called My 80. I will be 79 next month. By the time I get it all together here, it'll, I'll be close to 80. And it's going to be sort of a flashback of eight decades. You know, the fabulous 50s and uh, presidents I've known from Truman till current. I didn't know them personally, but I was alive when they were president. Baseball's my uh, passion, so I'll talk a bit about baseball. And I'm sort of getting it together. So how long was the process for you to write My 20? Writing it wasn't so awful hard. It was getting it down into the proper format. Writing is one thing. Getting it put together is another thing. They have their own nomenclature and things of that nature. You start talking about trim and things, and I'm going, what? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely an eye-opening experience for a lot of writers out there who just say, hey, I've done the hard part. I've written it. There's a lot to it after that. It sounds like an adventure through and through. It is, and it's it's a quick read. And it has about 21 pictures, and there are various folks, not just myself. It's not about me, me, me. It's my dad, my brothers. I got some pictures of some of the events that happened. Like I was in Japan, and they had the last flyable zero, and they were doing a press conference. So I went on the other side of the plane and had my picture taken. You know, events like that. The name of the book is My 20, A Naval Adventure by Paul Messenger. This is available through Fulton Books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great meeting you and finding out about My 20. I know it's a book a lot of people are really going to enjoy. I think they will enjoy it, and it was nice of you to allow me to express my opinions, and I sure hope folks buy the book, enjoy it, and pass it on to some veterans. It makes a good gift. Well, I know I love stories of real-life miracles happening in the midst of tremendous obstacles. And with me right now, I have author Earl J. Spivey Jr. His new book, Tears of Gethsemane, A Pastor's Journey Through Leukemia, is out right now. I'm talking with Earl. This sounds like a really inspiring book. Uh, It has to do with your life, correct? Correct, it does. My life experience of going through uh, leukemia uh, acute myeloid leukemia and all that took place through that, most particularly the spiritual journey God was leading me through in regards to that. So what inspired you to tell this story and to put it out for the world to read? I think the first of all would be the simple fact that as I went through leukemia and as I dealt with all the situations and different things that I dealt with, I came into that with a conviction that I was not there by happenstance or there by some bad roll of the dice. I was there because God had a purpose and a plan through that. And as I came to conclude that God had taken me through those four years of the journey, that he wanted me to say something to others who were struggling with their own illnesses and their own situations. And so first was a conviction that I had a message that needed to be shared. The second was when I finally came to the reality that I felt God had given me a commission to write a book. In that book would be the opportunity for people to be able to better understand as well as to grasp 
the spiritual realities in their serious life-threatening illnesses, as well as the experience that many will be going through themselves. Was there a target group that you were going for when you wrote this, a specific group of people that would benefit? I did not start with a target group in mind, but as I began writing and as I walked through this, I came to understand that basically the target group that I was going to be focusing on was those who had some awareness of Christianity and some uh, desire to be a part of the Christian faith, but who were struggling because their lives were being touched by serious illness. And they wanted to better understand, how do I better deal with this illness rather than simply see it as some great obstacle to life? And then on top of that is simply those who are wanting help, uh, those who are going through the struggle and facing it with their families and are just in the midst of uh, confusion, in the midst of all the pain, and really want a helping hand from someone to give them hope and encouragement and some insight into how to better deal with this illness. Wow, what a great message, great hope. Is this your first book you've written? It is. It's my first book that I've put in publish. I've uh, written some other writings that I've debated on whether to ever publish or not, but uh, it is the first book that I've ever published. So how challenging of a process was that for you to write it and then put it to print? I enjoyed the actual writing, being a pastor and a minister. I've written some things, and of course, each week is preaching and doing so forth. But uh, that all helped me get to the point of where expressing and sharing and trying to help people understand was a part of what I've become. And so as I began to write this, it was so much more than simply, here's what I went through, here's what I felt, here's what took place. But it was much more of a, here's what was going on. And here's where I saw God at work. And here's where I realized that this was not something God didn't know about or weren't aware of, but that God really wanted to use in my life and within his community of faith. I think this book is going to be a great inspiration, a great source of hope for many out there. Again, the book is called Tears of Gethsemane, A Pastor's Journey Through Leukemia. This is by Earl J. Spivey Jr. through Christian Faith Publishing, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Well, Earl, thank you again for your time. Thank you for putting your work out there and for telling us more about it. Thank you. I appreciate being able to help others recognize and know that the book is available, and hopefully it will be used greatly in their lives. Here on the Reader House Author Roundtable, We're talking about where supernatural and mystery meet. The book is Tempest Court, a ghost and a cop series by Jan Walters. Jan is joining us tonight at the roundtable. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here and have an opportunity to share. So can you tell us what Tempest Court is all about? Tempest Court is the story of a serious young detective and his ghostly partner who uh, work together to go after paranormal killers. So how'd you come up with the idea, the premise of this book? I have uh, four generations of men in my family that have served on the uh, Des Moines Police Department going back to the late 1800s. I grew up with my grandmother telling me stories and my husband coming home with stories, and now our son is coming home with stories. So I often wondered, my son, who's currently serving on the police department, he's kind of a jokester, you know, pretty laid back. 
And my great-grandfather was chief of detectives back in the 1940s. And I often wondered if my great-grandfather came back as a ghost and had to work with my son, what would be the conflict between those two strong characters and what kind of challenges would they have? And so that kind of became the basis for the Ghost in the Cop series. Very interesting. Is this your first book? Tempest Court is book three in the series. All the books do take place in Des Moines, and each book features a different type of paranormal killer, and each book is named after a street in the Des Moines urban area. So the first book was uh, York Street, and the second book was Red Sunset Drive, and now we have Tempest Court. And are you going to follow this one up? I am. I have five books planned for the series, and I am about a third of the way done on the next book, which will be Hazard Avenue. So if you like a little magic with your murder, you will enjoy the Ghost in the Cop series. Is How tricky is it over a series of books? Now, you said you're going to do five of these. How do you manage that continuity throughout several books? Before um, I even started book one, I kind of did a, uh, well, character sketch of each person that was going to be in book one. And so you write down their main physical attributes, their personality traits, etc. The more you write those characters, the more they become real in your mind and you know exactly how they're going to act or react to a situation. I have added to that list of characters as each book has progressed along. Because you might start writing and all of a sudden a new character kind of pops up. You didn't quite plan for it, but it's really an essential character. So yeah, you just kind of keep building and keep track of who your characters are and what they're like. Great advice. Well, again, the book is called Tempest Court, a ghost and a cop series by Jan Walters. This is published by Fulton Books and is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play. Jan, it was a joy speaking with you today and learning about this book. I'm really excited about it. Great, great. You know, you've got your dark, scary sections of the book, but then we kind of offset that with some lighter moments between the ghost and the cop and some of the other characters. So there's a little romance, there's a little mystery, a little magic. It's uh, a book that I think many people will enjoy. All right, now here on the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm speaking with author J.W. McCullough. He has a new book called The Holiday Balloon, published by Christian Faith Publishing. J.W., thank you for talking with us this evening. My pleasure to join you. So can you tell us a little bit about The Holiday Balloon? So the holiday balloon follows a little boy named Benjamin from his home in Queens, New York, uh, over the holidays. And like a lot of kids, Benjamin has a very active imagination. And uh, after dinner, we, you know, with his family, one of their traditions is to give one present on the Thanksgiving over the Thanksgiving holiday. And that present happens to be this gorgeous, gorgeous balloon. And uh, once everybody starts to fade off, you know, into the food coma after Thanksgiving, Benjamin starts staring at this balloon. And as he does, he, he starts wondering, you know, how do other children all over the world celebrate the holidays, right? Like he has his own traditions and his family has their own traditions, but 
uh, how do other children all over the world celebrate? He starts wondering this question. As he does, this balloon starts to grow and expand in size. Ultimately, it becomes what we now know as the holiday balloon. Mr. Benjamin steps inside the wicker basket, and uh, what he finds himself on is this wild journey across the world to learn. He, he doesn't know where the holiday balloon is going to take him, but ultimately, it's kind of read his mind, this desire to figure out how other children celebrate holidays. And the holiday balloon takes him across the water. And in this book, the first book in the series, the holiday balloon takes him to Jerusalem. And when he does, he encounters a whole new friend and, and new traditions over there. And that's kind of what kicks off the adventure. Your passion for the imagination, the imaginative aspect and adventuring, but you're also teaching and, and kids are learning about other cultures and how other kids celebrate. I, I really like that. How important was that learning aspect in writing this? You know, it's very important. I think, you know, I have a personal connection to, you know, I have a two-year-old son and I see his imagination at work. I see his open and accepting attitude towards learning new things. And so really the story came from he and I hanging out together and turning a laundry basket into our own version of the holiday balloon. You know, as we were going on these adventures, I said, you know what, why don't I just put this into a book form? You know, I think there's something to be said for that. I think ultimately we could all learn a lot from just being open-minded and curious. I think one of the, the things that I learned when I wrote the book was, yes, there are differences in a lot of ways and a lot of cultures in, in terms of how holidays are celebrated, but there's some core things that are almost exactly the same throughout. So the Holiday Balloon series, um, I want to highlight some of the cool differences, but then also key in on the fact that for the most part, you know, we share a lot in common, uh, more than we would, you know, maybe expect. And that's important, especially to teach to children. You know, we are much more alike than we are different. And if you focus on our similarities and what we all love and enjoy and cherish, that's far better than focusing on how we're different. Exactly. Yeah. So in the book, you know, Benjamin has never played with a dreidel before. He didn't really know what Hanukkah was. Um, he didn't know what the menorah was. And so his, his new friend Talia is able to walk him through that in this fun kind of interactive way, of course, while trying to keep her parents asleep upstairs, right? So they don't crash the party. And then all the while, you know, the holiday balloon is, is kind of waiting and ready to take them on the next adventure. Now, you are an experienced writer. You have other work out there. Do you have any advice that you can give to aspiring writers, little words of wisdom that you could help encourage people by? All of these stories started from an observation or an idea or an interaction. Holiday Balloon is the perfect example. It was me and my son playing in a laundry basket, me lifting it up and flying through the air. So at that point, I said, wow, this would be a cool story. And I think one of the challenges is, as individuals, right, like we'll procrastinate. So we'll say, wow, that could have been a cool story, but then we won't do anything with it. We won't write it down. We'll get to it later. So had I not carved out the time that night to just jot down my thoughts in a simple Word document that turned into the holiday balloon, I think that story would have been lost forever. Like it would have just been stuck either in my imagination or, or just in the vault and just never seen the light of day. So I think my biggest advice would be always put pen to paper, um, even if it's just scribbling something down on a napkin. And I think the biggest challenge aspiring writers write into is they never really get started. They study, they read, they take courses, but they don't ever initiate that act of, of jotting things down and actually writing it. And so that would be my number one thing is once you have an inspiration or have a thought, carve out five, 10, 15 minutes to just start, and then you'll feel this need to finish. The book is called The Holiday Balloon by J.W. McCullough. 
published by Christian Faith Publishing, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. J.W., thanks again for your time. Thank you for telling us about your work. It's my pleasure, and uh, I'm sure I will be back to uh, talk about, you know, the sequels. We'll see where uh, Benjamin and Talio go next with this, with this holiday balloon. Joining us now on the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Alana Konechka. She has a new book called A Kid's Life, Loving, Learning, Growing, published by Christian Faith Publishing. Alana, thank you for being here with us tonight. Thank you for having me. So A Kid's Life seems like it really captures a lot of the fun and wonder of childhood and, and children. Well, that's what we tried to make it. We tried to make it appealing to the younger readers. I learned how to read when I was young, and I think if you can get the kids interested when they're young, that you're going to have lifetime readers. Indeed. This is a collection of short stories, correct? Yes. about There's about 19 stories in there. Some of them are just fun, uh, like Grandma's Magic Pants. When you go to Grandma, all kinds of magical things happen. And some are more difficult, like how to deal with a bully or how to deal with somebody who is a poor sport or if you have a moral question, kind of what to do about it. Because kids today, they face a lot of different things than we did with technology. But the main problems, we think, they're still the same. Absolutely. So what gave you the idea to write this? Actually, it's just something I've been working on for years and years, story here, a story there, and I finally put them all together. And I actually had a goal when I turned 50 to learn how to play the guitar. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> so I said, all right, we have to have a better goal. So my goal was to just finish the story, submit them, and see if I could get myself published. Oh, so what was that whole process like from writing it to then getting it published? You know, not too hard, but not too easy. The main thing is people are going to read it and people that know more than you, and they're going to criticize or point things out that you can do better. And the important part of the process to me was, you know what? Some people know more than I do. Let's take what they're giving us rearrange a little bit and see if we can't have a better product to send out. It's just really courageous to be putting yourself out there in the first place. So just the fact it's out there and people are reading it and they're responding to it, that's a really good thing. They are, and it's nice. You know, I've had a lot of my friends buy it for their grandchildren. I heard from a lady who bought it and gave it to her niece who's reading it to her special needs students. So when you hear the real-life applications, it's, it's kind of very cool to hear. Yeah. Were there a specific group of kinds of children that you were targeting or just general uh, young readers in general? Yeah, just the young readers in general. Maybe the ones that are just starting to get there because they're, they're simple stories and we tried to make them very simple words. So that might they might be interested when they're a little bit before reading and then when they start reading, this should be a good tool for them to read. So this being your very first book, published book, how did it feel to know that, hey, this is out there, this is sitting on shelves. People can order this. People are reading this right now. How did that feel? You know, I think when you first see it on Amazon, that's when you really, okay, guess what? <laughs> I'm actually a published author. But for me, it really is more interesting when I hear from people that have read the book and what they're doing with it. So you know that something, a project you did is actually out there and, and it's helping people. Mm, so are you thinking of following this up? Oh, yeah. We're, we're working on our next one, but it's in the beginning stages for sure. Wonderful. Is there any advice that you might be able to offer to someone looking to publish a book for the first time? Maybe understand it doesn't happen tomorrow. Even if you have a whole book written and it's accepted and it's going to be published, there's a lot of stages you have to go through to get there. And you have to be really patient just because somebody says, okay, we're going to publish a book doesn't mean it's going to be out tomorrow. You're going to have to revise it and then they're going to revise it, and then you're going to revise the revisions and just take all the experience other people can give you. Well, it sounds really, really entertaining. Again, 
The book is called A Kid's Life, Loving, Learning, Growing by Lana Konechka. This is available through Christian Faith Publishing on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Elena, again, thanks for your time. It was great talking with you and learning about a kid's life. Thank you very much for having me. Tales of magic, mystery, and danger are what we have here now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. The Little Princess of Cherry Tree Kingdom brings this all to us. The book's author, Kem, joins us now. Thank you for chatting with us tonight. Thank you for having me. So tell us about The Little Princess of Cherry Tree Kingdom. It's about a little girl named Caitlin. She's out playing in her yard when three hummingbirds fly up to her and start pleading with her to follow them because the kingdom is falling. During all of her excitement, she stumbles through a secret portal and finds herself in a magical kingdom. She notices that the trees are dying, the grass is dying, and the whole environment is being destroyed. Soon after, she discovers that she is the true princess of that kingdom and that the evil Dark Lord has cursed the land, and that's why it's all dying. So she teams up with numerous talking animals to solve riddles that lead them to hidden doors and secret passages, which eventually helps all of them defeat the evil Dark Lord and break his curse. So what was your inspiration for writing this book? Well, it was my little girl, Caitlin. Everybody that has daughters or nieces and all that know that there's a certain age when they like to run around the house in their little slippers, their tiaras, and their little princess dresses, and they run around talking about how they're a little princess. So one day I just felt like I would like to write a short story to really make her a little princess. And it went from there. After her mother read it to her, she asked, where's Kylie and Lanny, which were other little girls in the family? And I knew that I had to continue it. <laughs> and once I continued it, it turned into something long enough to be a novel. So have you written before or published before? No, sir. I ain't never been published before. The only writing I've ever done was like in, in school and in literature class and my college professor which I'd like to say that he was like a big inspiration because during literature class, he would give us assignments and you would have to take like the Canterbury Tales when they're on their trails and put yourself in there as a character and tell your story. Oh, wow. I think that kind of helped me in the long run. Is there anything you've learned along the way, maybe some tips or something that you could offer to hopeful writers out there? Well, I would say if you got a good idea, a good storyline, and you have the want to... Get by yourself and think about it. Don't let anybody discourage you. And absolutely don't feel like you're wasting your time or feel kind of stupid because you're trying to write a story. Just sit down and start writing and carry a notebook with you in case you have more ideas later at work or something and just jot them down. I'd say go for it. Great advice. This is your first published book and it's on shelves. People are buying it and reading it. What kind of a feeling does that give you? Well, I, I think it's really cool that something that I just created in my mind that other people can get some enjoyment out of my imagination. Well, again, the book is The Little Princess of Cherry Tree Kingdom. This is published by Fulton Books and is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play. Well, Kem, thank you for joining us tonight and telling us all about this book. Well, thank you very much. And I'd just like to say, anybody out there with children or grandkids, it's a great read. Joining us now on the Reader House Author Roundtable is author G.R. Cleveland. His new book, Quiet Man, is out via Christian Faith Publishing. G.R., thank you for joining us tonight. 
My pleasure. So can you tell us about what Quiet Man's about? Quiet Man is about the life. Uh, full, it's a, uh, a, uh, a true story from the time of uh, my birth all the way through to 2002. And I had planned on writing another book, Closure, which brings me back from 2002 to current day. And then the third book, Holy Trinity, depending on what happens in my life. It's about my life in construction and all the great people that I met, about divorce, about bipolar disorder, manic depression, my struggle with that. And I've become a very successful construction executive. So I've overcome that disability. So. So what convinced you to write about this and to put it out for people to read? Well, I went through a very difficult divorce in uh, 1997, and uh, three things happened in my life. Uh, a, a divorce, got ch charged with sexual harassment, and lost the love of my life in Connecticut that I left my wife for. And that caused me to go into a state of depression and bipolar disorder. And at that time, uh, I was losing my kids. So I wrote the book about my kids uh, to try and bring my kids back to my life. And then it turned into a uh, beautiful love story. And then it turned into uh, a message from God. Was there a target audience that you had in mind, people that you were writing this specifically for? Well, it's everybody that's been through divorce, been through disabilities, people with manic depression, uh, overcome disability, and uh, just about people that normal life. Hmm. Have you written before? No. Well, I in the construction industry, you have to write proposals and everything like that. This, I wrote this when I was manic, and it took me 18 weeks to write. And I have a photographic memory, so I have a lot of uh, memory from people, places, and business I've done well in the past. What was the journey of writing this book like for you? Very emotional. I put my heart and soul into this book. Would there be any advice that you would give to authors looking to write a book and looking to get published for the first time? Well, write about the true life, you know, the true life events in your life. And uh, it was a journey. I had written a book and, and finished it in 2002 and sent it off to authors and uh, to uh, the couple publishing companies. And I got some feedback, so I had to change around a little bit. So I finished it about um, June of last year and, and, and had it published. The name of the book is Quiet Man by G.R. Cleveland. This is published by Christian Faith Publishing and is available at iTunes, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. G.R., thank you again for your time, sir. It was very nice speaking with you, and, and thank you for your courage in putting this book out there for us. Thank you, sir. Women of the Bible have amazing stories to tell, and author Cheryl Rhodes gives them a voice in her book, Lives and Legacies, First Ladies of the Bible, which is out now through Fulton Books. Cheryl joins us now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for talking with us tonight, Cheryl. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So can you tell us about Lives and Legacies? Well, this book is about people living in Bible times, ordinary people living ordinary lives with the struggles and challenges and interpersonal relationships that affected their physical and spiritual lives, the kind of issues we all encounter in life. What inspired you to write this? It was because I realized how profitable these stories were for people. 
and that if I could reach a, a wider audience with them, they'd be helpful, beneficial to a lot of people. So many people think the scriptures are too formidable. They don't read them. And then they miss the comfort and the encouragement that's found in these Bible characters. I wanted to change that if I could. Is this your first time writing? Have you written or published before? This is my first published book, but it's one of a series. Lives and Legacies is a series. And so the first one is First Ladies of the Bible, but Mothers of the Faith and the Women in Jesus Lineage are currently almost finished the process at Fulton to be published. And the last in the series is Female Disciples. So what was the writing and publishing experience like for you, being your first book? I'm a sort of perfectionist, and because I wanted everything so right, it was very time-consuming. And then when you consider the fact that I had been telling these stories for 10 years, some of them 12 and 14 times in one month, as I rode circuit to retirement facilities in my area, I had written and rewritten and edited and researched until they had become rather large Some of them take 45 minutes to an hour to tell. Basically, I started out as a Bible teller. So the writing's flown out of that. Then getting it published, that's often a very surprising experience for a lot of people, what you have to do after it's been written. What was that like? Time-consuming. Because, again, I'm a perfectionist. But I had a wonderful, and I don't know exactly what Megan's title is at Fulton, but she's been very good to work with. The fact that I've had to keep polishing things up was made easier because she was so easy to work with. But I would suggest anybody who wants to write should figure out what they want to say and write it and rewrite it and rewrite it until they've got it to where they can't get it better before they go look for a publisher. So what did it feel like having that book, knowing it's out there, it's on shelves and people are reading it? What kind of feeling does that give you? I was relieved because, like I say, I wanted it so right that it was very time-consuming, and it was a relief to have the project finished, or projects one by one, but also gratitude. I was so grateful to have completed this. It was just a great relief. Well, again, the name of the book is Lives and Legacies, First Ladies of the Bible, first book in a series by Cheryl Rhodes, published by Fulton Books, and it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play. Cheryl, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for sitting with us here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you, Corey. I enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.